Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hey there, just a quick warning for this episode. We talk about two instances of police violence that might be hard for some people to hear. It's incredibly rare for officers to be charged for killing people while on duty. So when San Francisco's DA filed charges last week against an officer for killing Kita O'Neill in 2017, it got a lot of attention. And Chesa Boudin isn't the only Bay Area DA to file charges against an officer this year. This is a position of extreme power. There's a lot of discretion that is concentrated in the role of a district attorney. Voters are in the midst of a major cultural change, screaming for a different approach to, you know, really serious violence. Holding officers accountable is just one piece of the bigger puzzle in changing the policing system. So today we're going to talk about what led to charges against officers in two Bay Area counties this year when it rarely ever happens. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.
This was the first uh, criminal homicide prosecution of a police officer in San Francisco history that anyone's aware of. Alex Emsley is an editor for KQED's Criminal Justice Desk. San Francisco District Attorney Chase Boudin um, came out, you know, a couple of years after um, the fatal shooting of Keita O'Neill and, and announced, um, you know, filing some fairly serious charges uh, related to a unlawful homicide. Former officer uh, Christopher Samayoa faces both of those charges, both felonies. And, and while this is a big deal in San Francisco, Chase Boudin also isn't the first district attorney in the Bay Area to file charges against an officer, right? Yet Boudin is also being painted in this kind of like progressive light, getting a lot of attention. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that in some ways, this is a predictable narrative based on who Chase Boudin is and, and what his sort of you know, uh, promise or expectation that, that he conveyed to voters who, who voted for him to take this office as San Francisco district attorney. He's a former public defender. He has put a lot of his sort of attention in his legal career into uh, changing systemic issues in the criminal justice system. And so it's not super surprising. At the same time, it is part of a broader trend, I think, of things changing in the criminal justice system in other places in the Bay Area. Even just earlier this year, uh, Alameda County District Attorney Nancy O'Malley had filed uh, uh, criminal charges, similar criminal charges, voluntary manslaughter charges against uh, San Leandro police officer Jason Fletcher for shooting Stephen Taylor, um, a black man inside of a Walmart. So I don't think that this is an instance of one prosecutor in San Francisco bringing this kind of reform attitude to that office and more of one piece of a bigger change that's occurring in many different places in the Bay Area, in California, and potentially in the U.S. We both know so many shootings where an officer kills someone and doesn't face charges. So how do you explain to someone how such a rare outcome was possible for these two shootings? You know, I think it really comes down to four things. There's the facts of the shooting. That always matters. What specifically happened in this instance? There is a cultural change that we've seen, you know, really blow up over the past six months or so nationally and definitely here in California. There's policy changes, changes to law. We have a new law in California that governs when it might be illegal for an officer to use deadly force. And it really matters who the district attorney is in, in, in the county that you're looking at. District attorneys have a huge amount of discretion when making these kinds of decisions. And so what they're bringing to the table matters. And I think we can learn a lot about how those changes are playing out by looking at these two separate cases, one in San Francisco and one based in Alameda County in San Leandro. Let's talk about them. Let's start with Kita O'Neill shooting in San Francisco in 2017. Based on the themes, the ideas that you just told me about, what themes played a role in the Kita O'Neill shooting? So the Kita O'Neill shooting happened in late 2017. 
And there are certainly some factors at play. I always tell, you know, reporters that I work with, people in the public, really anybody who will listen to me, that the facts of any specific case really matter. They're some of the most, you know, they're, they're really the most important thing. Keto O'Neill was, uh, you know, accused of, he, he had allegedly committed a strong arm robbery. He had uh, knocked somebody down who had a California lottery van uh, carrying lottery tickets um, taken the keys from that person, hopped into the van and, and dro- driven it away. There was a short car chase. They, you know, kind of catch up to him in this lottery van and uh, he bails uh, out of it as it's still rolling after he kind of starts to turn onto a dead end street. O'Neill jumps out of this van and he's running back toward where he came. He's running toward a police squad car that was just right behind him. At that moment, after he bails out, rookie officer, uh, Christopher Samayoa, he was on his fourth day of field training. He draws his weapon. He's in the passenger seat of the squad car. And as Keto O'Neill runs kind of past the passenger side door, fires a single round through the passenger side window, um, striking O'Neill and killing him. It turns out later, and this is always a very important aspect of the way that these kinds of cases are legally interpreted. O'Neill didn't have a weapon, he had nothing in his hands. So with that information, we know that this is a man who is is running, is suspected of a fairly serious crime, but who doesn't present, at least in hindsight, doesn't present any kind of a deadly threat to anyone in the moment that he's shot. So. Just those facts alone lead to some things that you don't see in other cases that don't have those facts, hmm. which is that Samayoa, as a probationary officer, he had not been on the force long enough to get some of the protections for, from discipline that um, officers who are in that job for longer have. So he's pretty quickly fired. Within a few months of the shooting, the uh, police department fires him. He's no longer a, a San Francisco police officer. And that in itself is a, is a sort of a notice of things to come. And because Chase Boudin is seen as this progressive DA who's been pretty critical of law enforcement all along, what did he say when he announced these, these charges or afterwards? I think he said a lot of the things that a a prosecutor in his position might say, that this is, in some ways, it's sending a message that accountability in the criminal justice system, in sort of the things that he oversees, the ability to file charges and pursue convictions, needs to be equal across the board, that there shouldn't be one set of rules for police officers and another set of rules for everybody else. When I ran for district attorney... I promised that I would evaluate each and every case, and when the evidence supported it, that I would hold police officers accountable under the law. There still is one set of rules for police officers and another set of rules for everybody else. But at the end of the day, he said something that you would hear prosecutors say, um, you know, often when they're announcing that they're filing no charges, which I think is an interesting uh, kind of comparison. You know, but basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but based on the facts of this case and how they align with the law, that's how we make charging decisions. After a careful review of all of the evidence and the law, this morning we filed 
the following charges. Voluntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, assault by an executive officer, assault with a semi-automatic firearm, and negligent discharge of a firearm. I want to shift gears now and talk about the Stephen Taylor shooting in San Leandro, which happened in April of this year, and charges were filed against the officer in Alameda County in September. What happened in that particular shooting? It's April 18th, 2020, and and Stephen Taylor is in a Walmart in San Leandro. He has uh, grabbed a a baseball bat, some camping gear, um, allegedly tried to leave the store without paying, a security guard stops him. The, the security card uh, calls the police, and San Leandro police officer Jason Fletcher is, is the first one to show up. Here's what the, you know, the district attorney's investigation found. Uh, Mr. Taylor clearly experienced the shock of the taser as he was leaning forward over his feet and stumbling forward. Mr. Taylor was struggling to remain standing as he pointed the bat at the ground. Mr. Taylor posed no threat of imminent deadly force or serious bodily injury to Officer Fletcher or anyone else in the store. Officer Fletcher shot Mr. Taylor in the chest just as backup officer Overton arrived in the store. It strikes me that Steven Taylor was armed because I feel like so often the fact that somebody's armed is used as justification for why someone is killed by police and for why the police had a right to shoot someone. And this feels different in that way to the Keita O'Neill case. So what's different in this case that led to charges? Right. The only answer that I know to that question is that California law has changed. It is the intent of the legislature that police officers use deadly force only when necessary in defense of human life. And that's what District Attorney Nancy O'Malley indicated when uh, she filed these charges. The law did change in January 1, 2020, and the analysis of this case and the facts of this case were done pursuant to current law. When you're now looking at that lens, when it's not just the moment of maybe there's a potential threat, at least that the officer themselves perceived, but thinking, okay, there may have been a potential threat in that moment, but was was everything leading up to that necessary? Multiple videos of the shooting shows that at the time of the shooting, it was not reasonable to conclude Mr. Stephen Taylor posed an imminent threat of death or great bodily injury to either Officer Fletcher or to anyone else in the store. This is really the test case. This is the first one that a prosecutor has brought under that new legal standard to say, okay, the law has changed and we're going to file criminal charges based on the new law. By that time, we had seen protests across the nation uh, protesting police violence. So what role do you think this cultural shift that had been building played in these charges in Alameda County? It definitely played a role. I mean, I can say that for sure, because if you're anywhere in the East Bay, really anywhere in the Bay Area, as people were protesting around, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, locally, uh, a, a name that was in people's mouths was Stephen Taylor. They were really pointing to this case as an instance where there needed to be 
uh, a different kind of accountability. Like this is this is what brings this home. This stuff that happened in you know um, other places across the country, Minneapolis, uh, uh, St. Louis, etc. And I also think that you know Nancy O'Malley has been uh, a district attorney in Alameda County for a long time. She is not somebody who would be at the top of a list district attorneys who are part of the so-called like progressive DA's movement. However, district attorneys are, are, are politicians. They are elected. And for somebody to keep that office, whether it's their own convictions or whether it's something slightly more cynical, they need to respond to what the public is, is screaming for. They're not going to be in their position anymore. I'm curious, do you think that it's likely we're going to see more local prosecutors in the Bay Area try and charge police officers, especially here? I think so, and I don't think that I need to be super informed or prescient to, to, to make that um, prediction, right? It's the things that we've been talking about. We've seen a growing number of the you know, reformers being elected and, 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 and in the position of district attorney in uh, several Bay Area counties. We've seen the cultural shift and there is this tool of this new law that really kind of mandates that the old look into these cases is not adequate and that a different interpretation needs to be applied. At the same time, there is a movement within law enforcement to really do a whole bunch of different things to try to avoid getting to that point where a district attorney is making a decision as to whether to charge a, a police officer for for using their gun. And so if these things will work together, I mean, I think what we could see is officers using deadly force less often. And when they do, and when it's extremely inappropriate, a greater level of accountability in criminal charges for that. Alex says the charges against these officers are really just the start of the whole process because criminal trials can be long and complicated, especially when police are involved. When you start being able to align the different fact patterns with the outcomes, that's to me a, a greater understanding of how accountability works through the criminal system when it involves police officers. Alex Emsley is an editor and reporter for KQED's Criminal Justice Desk. This episode of The Bay was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Kiana Mogadam, myself, and our editor, Alan Monticilio. We're created by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. 
This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 